0: So we'd like to begin with a five-minute silence sitting and then we'll tell you what we'll do next. So for the (coughs) last time uh, on this retreat, last formal sitting, take your seat once again and really take it. Notice if the mind is already hovering towards ending and futurizing and knowing that the... (coughs) The best service for our future is to learn how to arrive. Because wherever we find ourselves, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, it will be most served by actually being there, rather than on the surface writing for the next moment. So take your seat, let the belly relax, hands soft. I am here, I'm not going anywhere for now. That's the deal we make with ourselves. any ripples from the busyness before lunch around the lifts and the taxis. Just breathing with all of that will can all be will be spoken about at 3:30 if necessary. Letting yourself plunge into the cool pool of silence. receiving this moment and giving ourselves back to this moment. Receiving our life with the in-breath, giving it back with the out-breath. Letting yourself still be nourished by the silence, while Matt and I take about 15 minutes to offer some closing remarks on the theme of the retreat. We've opened lots of pieces up of not-self and self-acceptance, but a few closing comments about that. <clears throat> but as you take in the words, or or don't... Um, let your still self practice listening from your seat. There's very many different kinds of listening we can do. And to integrate our practice into our life, one of the key pieces is having some mindfulness of body. Often in relationships, right, we get caught and in our head, and I'm going to say the next thing, or have the last word, or I'm afraid, or. Right? Feel your presence as you listen right now doesn't mean you have to agree with everything or like it all, but you can feel your bum on the cushion. It's just quite an art, really. <clears throat> so I think there was just one thing remaining for me with the theme of not-self and self-acceptance that I didn't complete yet. In the talk talks yesterday when I opened up the, what the ethics might look like, from the perspective of emptiness, from the perspective of, in this case, (coughs) what we're looking at here, emptiness of self. Maybe it was obvious when I got to the piece about the compassionate listening. But I can put it another way, that as the shells, the shells that separate us, the programs that we've taken to be me, as they get seen and digested and released, more and more clear is the truth of interconnectedness. And not just as a nice idea or as an, just as an intellectual concept, but as a direct lived reality. As one teacher very succinctly put it, um, he said, wisdom tells me I'm nothing, right? There's not one thing here that I can say that's me. Wisdom tells me I'm nothing. Love tells me I'm everything. And between these two, my life flows, right? There's nothing I can cling to that's me, but when the clinging stops, what is revealed? That everything on this, as this extraordinary manifestation is more intimate than our minds can wrap our heads around. And that can be known directly. And from that place, ethics is uh, obvious. Because really what we do with the other is what we do to ourselves. It's ourself in another form, or we are themself in another form. So even though on the visual field and the perceptual field and the cognitive field, it appears that we're separate, this is really a much later um, vantage point that something much more basic and primary is the intimacy, the inevitable intimacy that we are with everything. So I hope that clarifies the piece of... uh, ethics from the perception of, from the understanding of emptiness, of course we could spend all week discussing that. Yes, certainly. Did you you get the gist of that? Okay. Well done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just finish with this quote from the Buddha... I like it. So, the, the, some of the translations still the old-fashioned. So when the word "purity comes, again, uh, it, pure really means something whole. It means something that's not made up of different parts. It's something that's complete. Right? That's how purity is used. He said, "I do not say that you can attain purity by views, by traditions, by insights, by morality, or by conventions." So you can't get there through those things. You can't get to liberation. He said, I do not say you can attain purity by views, traditions, insights, morality or conventions, but nor will you attain purity without them. <laughs> has a brilliant mind. It's such a precise mind. Right? They're not the things that take you there, but you need them. Mm-hmm. Right? But you need them. He said, but by using them for abandonment letting go. It's a translation. But by using those things, they're vehicles for abandoning. Abandoning what? All of that separating. The separating lenses, the separating shells. So by using them for, for abandonment rather than as positions to hold on to, you will come to be at peace without the need to be anything. So I do not say you can attain purity by views, traditions, insight, morality or conventions nor will you attain purity without them but by using them for abandonment rather than as positions to hold on to. You will come to be at peace without the need to be anything. It's pretty profound and without the need to be anything is really the loss of the compelling part. It's the loss of being compelled to be something or not be something. When we're not compelled to be something, we're still here. And life is allowed to move through us. A little less hindered, a little less hindered as we go along the path and express whatever degree of realization we have. Okay.
1: So our theme together has been self-acceptance and not self. And in a sense this can appear to be one of those um, spiritual paradoxes that we've either got to take one position or the other. It's about self-acceptance, and we've got to work on ourselves or it's all empty, There's there's no real self here. But rather than competing views of reality I think it's possible to hold both of these understandings together so that they can serve us in our journey towards awakening. On one hand we have the the view of self as ultimately real, there being some kind of inherent self-existence that we call us, me, mine, I. And then there's the view of not-self, of there being no essence when we look deep inside ourselves, deep inside our experience, that we can find no core, no center that is definitively us. So as human beings we are vulnerable, we are sensitive. We are very real, blood, flesh and bone. And some of you may know the Sutta where the Buddha kind of elaborates all the different parts of the body, nails, teeth, hair, phlegm, as a way to kind of deconstruct, to look for this sense of self, where can it be found? But we also have these capacities, these really immense capacities for love, for kindness, for compassion, for empathy and support of each other. And the sense of being in community, the sense of togetherness that we may feel when we join together for a retreat like this or in our lives, in our families, in our communities, at home. And we have all the different skills and abilities and talents that we bring into the world and cultivate and learn. And this is all a really beautiful, wonderful part of being here. Not something we should cut off from or turn away from. And yet an overemphasis of this kind of self of self as an individual, separate, alone, can create a gap, can create a gap between where we are, which may be confused, agitated, struggling, and where we think we ought to be, wise, beautiful, intelligent, at peace. and a lot of the efforting a lot of the spins that we get caught in are where we're making this comparison between where we are and where we think we should be trying to get things right trying to perfect ourselves and it's this push and pull am I good enough? don't appear too good What can I do next? Or maybe if I do that, people might think something. It's this push and pull which really creates friction. And that, in a sense, is our problem. That we're not where we are in this moment. We're always leaning forward into the future. Or looking back at the past. Or comparing ourselves to some kind of ideal. On the other hand, to overemphasize the emptiness aspect, the aspect of not-self, can be equally problematic. We can easily pick up these teachings in the wrong way if we just try to understand from our heads and if we're choosing between these apparent opposites. Holding too tightly to this perspective of em- emptiness, of no core existence, no self, no inherent quality within us. The danger for that is that we take this as the ultimate truth, as the ultimate reality, and we discard. All the human aspects, all the very real parts of having a life, having a personality, moving in the world. Even though, when we look into our experience, the madness of mat cannot be found, the chairness of chair cannot be found. Even though that is true on one level, we don't want to devalue or discard any part of our self, any part of this world. So the Buddha's teachings are really about finding the middle way, the middle way between these two extremes, between the reification of self, only the self is real the individual, the personality is what it's all about. Between that and a rejection of self, a rejection of the world as all being illusion. We don't want to make our home in something that is unreliable, something that is that we can't depend on. Our sense of self is built out of so many causes and conditions. Our cultures, our family, our experiences, our body, our environment. And while it may be empty at its core, maybe while we can't find something when we really look into that, We don't want to reject or turn away from ourselves or others or the world. And sometimes you'll hear teachings about the difference between conventional and ultimate reality. And really the conventional world is the world as we know it, of chairs, of people, of buildings, of trees, it's the descriptions and the labels that we give to things to allow us to share experiences, to understand each other, but it's not that the ultimate perspective is superior in some way, these two things work together, they are part of each other. And self-acceptance is really where we meet ourselves. Where we come into contact with all the causes and conditions that are present in any moment. All the difficulties as well as the joys. And the part, the emptiness perspective, the not-self teachings bring, is helping us not to get caught in the spin Because we know that ultimately this is empty. This is just something arising in our experience. So we want to take a broad view of practice and we want to Let our understanding come from a full embodied living of this teaching. We can't only take the parts of the teachings that appeal to us or sound right. We need to investigate, we need to explore, we need to look into our own experience, moment to moment, right here and now, to see what the truth of these teachings are. The reality is that we have a self that is inherently empty. But self-acceptance is so important because what we do impacts others, impacts the world. And we are also impacted by the world and by others. And this is really why the Buddha established his monks and nuns as a community. Rather than a sect of recluses living in the forest established this relationship that Catherine was speaking about this dependency on the lay community for support for their food for their clothing because where we come into contact with others can be difficult it can be painful when we come into contact with our experience it's not all exactly as we'd like it to be but it helps us show up Helps us show the places where we get stuck, where we get caught in a spin. And it allows empathy and compassion and understanding to grow. So to help us bring these two aspects together... a lot of kindness towards ourself for all the difficulties we experience. And a willingness to see beyond the conditions that are arising in this moment, to know that there is something bigger here, something more expansive. A view that can allow The difficulty and the struggle to be there. That can allow the self acceptance to meet the difficulty and the struggle. While not holding on to this as signaling that in some way we're deficient or incomplete. So, I hope in the time that we've been here, you've seen both of these perspectives to some degree. <clears throat> the imminent right here and nowness of human body, human mind, human heart. And maybe those times when you've seen yourself and not judged yourself not moved into this gap between where you are and where you think you ought to be. So the teachings we've been unfolding over the last few days have really emphasised inclusivity, turning towards rather than turning away, allowing, stabilising, steadying. And it's the understanding that comes from Seeing that there is no essence, that we are on one level completely empty and at the same time still here, it's the understanding that ultimately frees us from suffering.
0: Part of supporting us to leave the retreat and um, <clears throat> go back into the <clears throat> sometimes called the real world, but this is pretty real. Also, what happens here? Um, I'd like to offer an exercise for you to do to get to practice mindful speaking and listening, and it's co- op- it's completely optional. So, if when you hear it looks like you don't want to do it that's completely fine you're welcome to stay in the room while those do most people tend to like to do it because later on in the day of course you're going to be speaking and listening with people again whether it's the car ride or the train station or back home or at work so how i'd like to set this up um so just first take a breath how how that sounds where that lands right because that's it, you know, like my <coughs> colleague and teacher that comes in the door, he's, he's, he's here while he's here. It's not like, right, I've got to do this now. He's knowing what's arising here while still in relationship. So what happens when I say, you can do an exercise in a minute? <laughs> you know, what happens? You get excited, you start closing down, you go, what happens for you? Just to know it. So how I'll set it up is that um, I'll invite you and um, show you a way you can do this of getting into threes, into groups of three. And it will be quite formal, the exercise, so it's not a chat, you're not going to have a chat together. And if you're on a chair, your partners will sit at the same height as you and if you're at the floor, you're all on the floor. So if anyone needs a chair, your partners will come to chairs too. You'll sit in a triangle, and then I'll guide us into an exercise where each person firstly gets three minutes with two witnesses, and the two witnesses have their eyes open and they're feeling their body on the seat as much as they're able, feet on the ground. And the person who has the three minutes takes that time to um, articulate anything that's standing out to them here that's personally relevant for you. Might be, it might be something that happened, it could be an event, but it could be also, if you're there, a synthesis of, oh yeah, I'm understanding this, or I'm interested in this, or this really struck me, or this is relevant to me, this, this particular piece, or when I went outside and whatever it is you don't have to know what you're going to say right now in fact you probably don't know what you're going to say right now and that's the um, both scary and interesting part you can there might be nothing that comes out one of my colleagues actually a dharma teacher this is a long time ago 20 years he came to give the dharma talk one night and he sat down and he came from the tradition where you weren't allowed to have any notes and he sat down and it was silent for about ten minutes. And he looked up at everyone. It was a hundred people. It was another centre, a hundred people. He goes, sorry, Holy Spirit's not at home tonight. <laughs> and got up and left. <laughs> but it's like that sometimes, isn't it? You know, so if we really give ourselves the... <clears throat> if, I, if we give ourselves the space... See, what's personally relevant that's standing out to me here? You don't have to give a definitive account. It doesn't have to be blazingly brilliant. It's what's really personally relevant to you because that's where your juice is. Just three minutes. Your witness's job is not to um, approve or disapprove or nod or not nod. They're really silent, open awareness. They're taking the space of holding that magnificent simply seeing. You're allowed to be exactly as you are whether you're silent, whether you're fumbling, whether you're brilliant, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It's being here that matters. And then we'll, I'll ring a bell, and the next person, and the next person. And then I'll describe the next piece. It won't get any more scary than that. And then maybe that doesn't seem scary to you. Maybe you're really looking forward to it. So I'll guide you in. If you want to do that uh, funny social piece of finding two other people, do that now. Sit in your little triangle. If you know you don't want to join in, um, that's fine. Keep your eyes closed and you can just sit here in presence while the rest of us do it. Okay. But it can be really useful to make that transition. So, find two others and I'll guide you in. (coughs) And use the space. If you're too near another three then um, (laughs) and people who aren't doing the exercise want to really respect your role too to really um, sit in the seat of presence as you witness the world kind of Bubbling around you. <coughs> anybody want to do it and hasn't got a group? Put your hand up or Julia. Anybody want to do it and isn't in a three? No, just Julia. So check if there's any three that's willing to be a four. Yep, yeah? great. Okay. So just let your eyes close and get get an optimal distance. If it's too close for you, it's really okay. Tell your mates, tell your people and say, let's move a little bit. Can we just go up there? If you need that, please ask for that. And take your formal posture. All right, so it's it. This is in between formal retreat and having a cup of tea with your mates, right. So you actually take the formal posture because that will really help you um, contact yourself, which is what we need when we're in the world. We need ourself, All right? So don't be afraid. To, don't be afraid to be too formal. It is a formal exercise, All right? The formality can really support the intimacy with ourself, actually. So let the eyes close. I'll tell you who's going to go first and I'll guide you into all of that in a minute. So let the eyes close and take your meditation seat again and just see what's here in shifting gears into the world of relationship again. If you're not doing the exercise, see what that's like for you too. Right? There's a few of you not doing it. See what that's like too while the world gets into relationship. And in your triangles or squares... Just breathing. See if you can let your backside drop to the ground. Do you dare to let the muscles of your buttocks relax right now? See if if you dare. Let your belly relax. Or at least invite it. It might have really tensed up. Can you welcome that too? A little space under the armpit. And just acknowledge the quality of your heart-mind, right? What is the state of mind like right now? Are you nervous, excited, spaced out, dissociated, loving, tender, scared? Is there any one word that briefly describes your state of mind in this moment? Is anyone willing to call out the odd word? What's the state of your mind like right now, Anybody? Call it out, huh? Interested? Yep. Scared? Scared. Huh? Nervous? Nervous. Curious? Curious. Disturbed? Disturbed. Yes. Sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah. Wondering. Blank. Blank. Yeah. All those things can happen, can't they? When we get into contact. They're all knowable to all of us. It may be that you're feeling really loving and expansive. That's allowed too. Some of our pain in relationship is that we're scared to love as much as we love, you know, in case the other one doesn't like it. Anyhow, whatever's here. We'll do it with the person with the shortest hair goes first. <laughs> okay? And... Um, just come back into the silence. That doesn't actually require that much discussion <laughs> in most threes. And then just feel your presence. Let the presence come into your arms. Notice if you feel into your arms. Are you having trouble knowing who's got shorter hair? No, he has, yeah. Okay, let the presence come into your it's Whether it's receding. That's another discussion. You can save that till, um 3.30. So let the presence come into your arms. To give, your, to give yourself the best shot, let the belly soften, legs fill up and pervade with presence, and breathe. You might want to say, you know, before you begin, oh yeah, I'm little, I'm really interested in this, or I'm nervous. And then have your three minutes to see what is pertinent and personal and relevant for you that has some meaning for you here in your practice. Okay, so person A, please begin, and if you're silent for a little while, it's okay, and I'll ring a bell in a few minutes. Please begin. so um letting stay where you are for a sec but letting go of your partners just coming back into your solitary inner world let the eyes close feel your belly sensing any ripples that are here first ripple to guard against is any inner critic oh my god i said that i should have said that <laughs> Please send him or her over here. We'll keep an eye on them. Right? And let yourself really have had your experience. We're human. We're just human. Right? Give us a break. Okay. Next layer. Just see any bubbles or rippling. Sometimes, once this gets going, some people never want to stop. Right? The momentum comes and it's like, oh, I want more. I want more. Others, it's like, oh, thank God for that. That's over. Just feel whatever's there. Breathe with it. doesn't matter what's here. You can make room for it. Check if you're breathing. Belly is usually the first thing to go in relationship. In contact, we usually tighten up around the belly. Second thing is usually the chest center. If we're lucky, we still have our head center. Sometimes we actually completely leave the body. If certain conditions have been tough for us, that's where we go. So be very, very gentle with yourself. Belly, heart, head, or wherever you are. And let's just take one more minute each so that you get a, another go at it, another practice at speaking. And, and you can, if you like, you can say what it's like just to be there speaking. You know, You can reflect on that if you like. Or anything that's relevant or something else you want to say. Please, person A... Take one minute, please begin. So, breathing, knowing what's here now. Because if we keep staying on track, you'll see that it keeps changing. Things tend to appear continuous and solid when we're not looking too closely. And breathing. And let's just hear some one words of the kind of quality of mind right now. It doesn't mean it has to be anything in particular. Just whatever it is, some one words, please. You want to call them out? <laughs> Again? Relief. Huh? Relief. Uh huh. Relax. Interested. Top heavy. Top heavy. Ah, oh, you can feel that. Yeah. Grateful. Grateful. Sad. Sad. Wet. Wet. Content. Content. Here. Here. Still. Still. You, I'm repeating them just in case you can't hear them. That's ambiguous. Ambiguous happy huh curious (coughs) okay so finishing up with your little team and come back to your seat So whether you participated or didn't participate just to really know what's here both are relevant options because it's like that in the world isn't it we're in little groups somewhere we're on our own and back and forth so uh, we'd like to take some time to cl- give some closing uh, support actually to you that was part of it whether it felt like it or not <laughs> Um, Part of the support of the realisticness of what does it mean to be a human being in relationship with the world. That's what we're practicing for. Not that we always have to be with others, but that we are part of this world. For better and for worse. Um, First thing to say is, today just be careful with your sensitivity. There may be more sensitivity (sighs) for some of you than either you're used to or than there was on Friday. You may have picked it up in the exercise just now. You may have felt the the impact of each other. Um, it's, even though it's only three days we've been here, it's a little bit like fasting and our, the sensitivity can heighten here. So please respect that today. It's different. You don't have to be sort of over cosited, but do take care. To not load in too much contact today, right uh, that might mean not trying to answer all your emails when you go home, um, not watching lots of telly and it, it's it 's like respecting the consciousness that 's got a little bit more clarified, a little bit more sensitized, right like after a fast, for example um, <clears throat> yeah. And don't be in too much of a hurry to get it all back to normal. Um, sometimes the sensitivity, we can feel ambivalent about it. It's like we something about it we like, but it's also, how do I do this as I go out? Um, can't remember what I was going to say there. Yeah, don't be in a hurry to make it all back to normal. It will change. The, the the status quo has a marvellous way of returning. <laughs> the, what, what one of my teachers calls the inertia of the personality. It's like kind of elastic, kind of pulls us back in sometimes when conditions are there. We may have glimpsed certain things on the retreat of, or touched real places in ourself or we've sensed that. Um, take care of that. Let that still work on you over the next few days or the next week or so, however long. It's not the experience you can keep, but you can keep the understanding, the insight that it gives you, or the glimpse or the beacon of what is possible. Even though the personality may, like an elastic band, go ping and ping back into shape uh, that's more um, older for us. That's okay. That's our work. We work with that. We keep... We keep looking. So a lot of kindness, a lot of gentleness, a lot of sensitivity, and I'll say a bit more in a minute.
1: So I'm just going to say a little bit about how to continue some of what we've been doing here together. And the first way you can do that is by establishing a daily practice if you don't already have one. Finding a time each day where you can dedicate yourself to meditation, to meeting yourself. And the important thing is not so much how long you're sitting for. I mean, if you have the time and the energy, then 45 minutes, an hour a day would be great. But a lot of people have much busier lives and would find it very difficult to make that space on a regular basis but i think the regularity rather than the length of time is more important it's like the exercising of the muscle we've spoken about we can um we go a bit flabby if we leave it for too long and i think when i started on this journey i didn't really get the practice part i thought somehow it was going to happen i didn't have to do very much and it was only after coming to a retreat doing a bit of meditation, not doing any for quite a long while, then you come back on retreat and then it's like, oh, why haven't I been doing this? Because somehow we kind of know what's good for us. And if you feel like this is good for you, if meditation feeds your soul, then try and make that time on a regular basis. It can be really beneficial. And many of you already know that the talks will be available from this retreat via the Dharma Seed website, and you can find retreat uh, talks from many other retreats in, in other centres around the world, as well as all the ones from Gaia House on that Dharma Seed site. And there are day retreats running with teachers from Gaia House teaching in various different locations around the country. In London, there's a big community there, a lot of
0: well, <laughs> I was just thinking, yes, John, can I just pause yeah. and get John, can you give a 30 second London at the inset?
1: Well, I'm not, it's not my. I, I don't have anything to do directly with London, London inside like that.
0: But apart from the note
1: that you gave me. But yes, <laughs> I just thought people who do live in London, people are lucky enough to live in that city. Um, Catherine's giving a day next Sunday the 12th, yeah. so, mm. which is a wonderful opportunity. Unbelievably, it hasn't sold out again. So ah. mm. In And I think just go to London Insight, put back go to Google. Is it called London Insight? Yeah. And, um, and book online and spend another day with Lecter Smith's son. Yeah. So many, many other teachers coming to London, um, to Oxford, to Sheffield, Brighton, Cambridge. I'm teaching with in Milton Keynes along with Helen Stevenson, who some of you might know from the yoga and insight retreats here. And various other things happening that I probably missed there. And then, of course, there's the internet. I mean, such a... I mean, what can you say? So much stuff on there. (laughs) But in particular, there is a site called Tricycle, which is kind of largely US-based, but there are increasingly a lot of online retreats you can participate in. I think for some of them you have to join and it's about 20-something pounds for the year and you get access to these retreats and there's videos, dharma talks, practices, forums and you can talk to other people and hear teachings from different teachers. Um, Another place where you can get quite a lot of information and um, different perspectives from other teachers is the Buddhist Geeks website. And they have very regular interviews with teachers from all different different traditions and um, different centers around the world and then for those of you who 've got smartphones, there are meditation timers, meditation apps where you can get a little map and it shows you all the other people who are meditating at the same time, <laughs> so you can get a sense that you 're not alone <laughs> and you can join groups and there are groups in this country, people who've been to Guy House, people from london insight well, and they yeah, and you can see who was online and when they were meditating and how long they sit for. And, how long they sit for. <laughs> and you can choose different bells and how many and it's quite sweet. <laughs> no, it's hot it's worldwide. Yeah. So you get a little map and you can see all the little pins where people are meditating. So I think that's called insight timer. And then there's something called meditation helper, which um, aims to motivate you to sit every day. And it gives you a little green bar that gradually grows and the numbers clock up as you do your sitting each day. <laughs> and it also times your meditation and again you can choose different bells at the start and at the end. Mm-hmm. So all these things can um, you know, help keep us on track, help keep us connected with ourselves. you you put those links up or I can't remember oh, them Yeah, yeah i write that. And then Gaia House has a Facebook page. If you haven't already discovered that, and you get occasional updates, pictures of (coughs) stuff that's going on here, Um, it's quite a nice way to keep in touch if you're a Facebook user. Thank
0: you. Okay, so is that good enough? Yeah. Okay, what did I want to say? Okay, um if you're new, and even if you're not new, actually, <clears throat> one of the thing one of the advices that I found most important is that you can't hold on to the experiences you've had here or even the mind states you've had here because they change. That's really part of what wisdom lets us know. actually whatever has been um, has arisen will pass. But what we can work with today is the understanding and insight that comes from those experiences, <coughs> the things that have stood out. And we need to live our insight and understanding for it to actually make any difference. It's not that we come on retreat and we might have a few insights or glimpses or, and then that's very nice and thank you very much, I've had some insights. They have to be lived and breathed and enfleshed in order to feed us and our world, right? So if, for example, you've recognized that stopping, taking time out in your life is important, if that's so, this weekend, we have to live that and exercise that for that to really bear fruit. If you've seen that having time in silence is important for you, we need, to, we need to exercise it. We really need to exercise it. If you've seen that actually yeah, I can't hold on to any of this, wow, I kind of got that in a different way, body, mind, any of it, then we need to live by the understanding of letting go. Um, otherwise, maybe you can see the problem. It just remains a, a good idea. It actually, the path begins as we leave here and we get the opportunity to practice it on the lanes in the car. (coughs) When I go home and I'm having that little, that little argument starts to develop with my husband and I want to have the last word. Oh, right. When we can have, when we can exercise what we understand in our life, please find ways to do that because that makes it alive And that makes us not have this two-world issue, which is our spiritual life and our worldly life. We have to bridge that gap through exercising, through taking risks, through letting go of certain things that may not serve us anymore, certain activities, certain activities. Right? So so any things that we do where we can see, actually, now I've come to the end with that that's not actually serving the other person or myself anymore right and we sometimes we need support with that it's not that we can do that all on our own we may very well need support to make those kinds of changes <clears throat> and I'm not suggesting you, you have an insight about leaving all your relationships right now. I'm not suggesting that at all. In fact, that wouldn't be a good idea to leave here with that insight and think, that's my insight. I need to, you know, that's, that, give that a few more weeks or months to season and see if it seems like such a good idea. Um, yeah, so I really want to emphasize that point, to live what we understand and get the support to do that. So did you mention yeah, mentioned daylongs, Did you mention sitting groups? No, so regular weekly sitting groups in lots of towns and cities in in Britain and if there isn't one in your town then you can let the staff know that you would like to set one up at library after this and eventually people gather. They don't have to be people that sit inside meditation or cross-legged but being around like-minded people where you can sense the spark of wakefulness, whatever clothes they wear or philosophy they espouse but where we sense there's there's life there there's something awake there there's something wholesome and beneficial that I want to I want to follow that Well, not you have to follow them I want to be part of that I want to be in that whether it's your local Quaker group or whatever it is we we know we're drawn and we recognize where wakefulness is we I think we wouldn't come somewhere like this without some kind of barometer or sensor for some kind of truth bell that kind of rings in us which doesn't mean that there's a superior version of the truth it means that people are sincerely endeavoring to live as close to this as possible all right so it's not setting ourselves apart from the world it's more recognizing what supports and what does not support me if i'm interested in waking up and serving life in that way through waking up. One very key, simple teaching from the Buddha, which is really helpful for leaving, is about intention. I mentioned once, I think, that the meditative part is, uh, he talked about the eightfold path. The meditative part is some but not all of that eightfold path. You can study it. There's lots of great resources if you want to look further into it. But one of them is um, wise intention. Wise intention. And he said that there are three wise intentions. And if we can orient around this, this will lead onward. This will lead toward the goal. And they are the intention towards non-hatred, the intention towards non-cruelty, and the intention towards renunciation or letting go. right. So intention towards non-hatred, we could word in the affirmative as love, right? But what's lovely about the language, the Pali language, and I think in a number of Asian languages, certainly when in the Buddha's time, that it's worded as not this, it's not hatred. He's not saying it has to be love, because we're all going to have an idea about what that's supposed to look like, right? We can just work on the non-hatred part. The rest will take care of itself, the non-aversion, which doesn't mean hatred won't arise and hatred might sound like a strong word to some of you, but all of the aversion it will arise but we're not feeding it we're understanding it, we're developing the resources that those poisons of greed of hate and confusion that we see in our own minds and we see in the world that we're doing our bit to clear up Clear up what's in this location. Right, we're doing our bit. The intention toward non hatred, the intention toward non cruelty, which is uh, compassion. It's a particular kind of love that has to do with response to suffering. And the intention toward renunciation, abandonment, shedding, 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 shedding what we don't need anymore so that we can arise fresh and responsive inter- ex- internally and externally. So these are like a kind of th- the red thread that we can come back to and we go off course, we do. And we flounder and we of course we make mistakes, that's how we seem to learn. This seem how I seem to learn. We get it wrong, we say the wrong thing, we... <laughs> we just do and we can get back on course so one again one more key piece if you took nothing else away would be the understanding that the in the spiritual life to do whatever is necessary to not have our inner critic as the guide for us in our spiritual practice We can see the world over how beautiful spiritual teachings get picked up through fear of the ego, of the personality. And then the inner critic comes down and we pick up a beautiful, beautiful teaching, most of the teachings in the world. And yet they can get so tight and restrictive and divisive when the critic and fear are what's ruling the show. Right? So what that means on a practical basis is um, we make the intention toward letting go. Absolutely, that's my that's where I'm heading, and then I see myself do something really dodgy, right? Oops! Wow! Look at that! I just I just acted out. I just whatever it was, I just did. That we're not beating ourselves and using the spiritual path as another stick to beat ourselves with. That doesn't get us online. That really doesn't get us online. That gets us tighter and more afraid. Right? How do we respond when we've fallen off course? We go, oh, yeah, gosh. We fall short of our images that we have, these ideal images that we have of who we're supposed to be. And we humbly get it. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm human. I'm human. My intention is something that, that I want to steer a deeper course. And that was completely compelled what I just did. I was utterly compelled. And I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And we can come back. Do not use these teachings to beat yourself. Happen easily on a small way, you know. Oh my god, you're still holding on to that? Haven't you let go of that yet? You've been working on that for 20 years and you're still a schmuck, right? <laughs> right, just be really careful how we talk to ourselves around that. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else. Any other themes or topics that are coming up for you right now as you end, just call them out. A couple more minutes. Ah, my friend asked me to mention some other um, activities. So uh, I teach a number of retreats here at Guy House and elsewhere. And in the summer every year, which some of you have been on a number of times, there is a camp on Dartmoor called the Buddha Dharma Sangha Camp, <coughs> where we have eight days on Dartmoor, in a valley with a stream that runs through it. One side of the stream is silent. The other side of the stream is where the fire is and the tents are and the kitchen tent and the kids. There's kids there and there's single people there and there's families there. And um, and we live and work together for eight days practicing uh, meditation, qigong and inquiry in the morning and then having afternoons of hanging out, swimming in the stream, looking into other teaching things and like that so it's quite integrated way of being together and apparently there's 10 places left adult places kids kids places are all gone (coughs) I think there's cards in the library about that or you can ask me Um, serving okay so one thing I'd like to let you know about is um matt talked about dharma seed which is this beautiful website that houses all these dharma talks and you can plug right in and be you know plugged back in at any time dharma seed is like the kind of is becoming the collection house of the talks of teachers in our lineage and we're connected to a number of centers uh in the world loosely affiliated it's not it's not a big Organization as such, we're kind of like sister centers more. One is in California, one is in Massachusetts, Sky House is here, it's Beatenberg in Switzerland, um, and then there's kind of offshoots like um, Moulin de Chave in France and various places, uh, it's, uh, one in South Africa. Um, and I wanted to let you know I mean, some of you are completely new to this community, so you may, this may. It may not be something you want to pick up further, and that's completely fine. Um, If this is your one and only time here, I hope it's been beneficial in some way. But many people do come back, and not everyone knows that we're part of this wider um, sangha, actually. And the reason I'm letting you know is that this next month, actually in June... There's an international teacher meeting. They happen every four years, and the, four years ago it was here at Gaia House. And the teachers get together and discuss various different topics, like Dharma topics, you know. And Dharma lit, l- means actually the, the study of, of um, Dharma is the truth of the way things are and the whole mind in relation to the truth of the way things are. So this year, um, in June, there will be maybe 100 teachers gathering, um, and what happens there feeds into the community on the wider level, and over the years, it it helps part of the development in a way. Um, One of the things that we're going to discuss this year, there'll be many topics, um, one of the topics is climate change and whether or not our community uh, can come to the table into the discourse uh, of what might be possible to bring as we all work together in the next however long this is going to be our work for in the next several hundred years very lightly um, as a a globe so this the one thing that's beautiful in our tradition is that teachings are offered when the students ask for them. All right, so in the monasteries, you have this lovely tradition where before the monk or nun will give a Dharma talk, somebody has to ask, and it's formalized, and they say, please teach the Dharma for the benefit of beings. Please teach the Dharma for the benefit of beings. Please teach the Dharma. And the teacher says, okay. Right, so it's very much in relationship. And there's an initiative at the moment that sangha, us, or yeah, I'm a teacher and I'm also a student, of course, we, hopefully we always are, um, that the sangha are rallying together to ask the teachers to please come together um, around this critical theme of climate disruption in the world where there is so much suffering currently and potentially a whole lot more. Please bring to the table what is beautiful from this tradition that can add to the discourse internationally. So there's a letter here if you would like to sign your name. You don't have to have been a long-term member, but if it's something that you would like to encourage the teachers to do, um, from the teaching perspective, of course, you can do what you do from your perspective, and I'm sure many of you do. Um, This will be out. Uh, You can read it. Maybe I'll read it before we end. Um, It has been picked up, this letter, by our Sangha in America. So last week on Earth Day, people just like us who practice this kind of sitting and walking, sitting and walking, had an Earth Day with um, uh, James Barras at Spirit Rock, who's the awakening joy master. He's the the joy master in our tradition. Um, And Joanna Macy, the beautiful elder and um, environmental teacher had an Earth Day and 400 people had this letter up in big framed and signed it as part. So when we have the meeting next month, all the Sanghas who want to sign will be represented, you know, the San Francisco Sangha and the Sheffield Sangha and the Oxford Sangha and like that. So if you would like to sign your name, please do, as part of giving energy and support and encouragement to bring the best of what we have to the table. So I'll leave that out for you. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't commit you to anything. It's simply your energy that's put on the paper at this point. Okay, thank you. Um, anything else you would like picked up before finishing? Okay, so let's end together (coughs) with a short dedication um, of our practice. Yeah, just before we go there, I want to thank Matt for joining me and supporting me so supporting us so very fully this weekend. And I guess you have to go to work tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So thank you very very much. It's been a really a um, pleasure to hear you share your dharma. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and thank you to you all for your uh, willingness to sit with your own heart and mind. <laughs> On behalf of this world, whether we see yet that this practice is not just for ourselves, whether we see that the work we do here actually is directly related to this world. Whether we see that or not yet, I want to thank you for that. For the, the courage that it takes, the willingness, the steadfastness, the patience, the perseverance and the love that's behind it that draws us to the the mystery. And wanting to unfurl ourselves deeper into the wisdom and love of that. Thank you. So, taking our seat for the last time. <clears throat> if there are any benefits that come from these three days together. If those benefits ripen here and now, which sometimes they do, or if those benefits ripen further along the great way, may all of the fruition, the fruit of what comes from a dedicated inner work, may that fruit be for the benefit of you. For your peace, your freedom, your joy, your love. May it be for your loved ones. For their freedom from suffering. Their peace. And may it be for all beings on this planet. The ones to the east, the ones to the west, the ones to the north, those to the south, those that we know and those that we do not know. The friendly beings, the indifferent beings and the hostile beings. May all beings receive the benefit of our practice for those beings who have little and those beings who have plenty, those beings living under inner oppression, those beings in outer oppression, may all beings be able to touch the earth and rest. May all beings know kindness. May all beings know the heart's release. For those beings about to take their last breath, And those beings about to be born right now. The small, the large, those that swim, those that crawl, those that fly, those that walk, those that roll. May all beings everywhere receive the benefits of our practice. Beings of the past, present and future. May we handle the inheritance inner and outer of this extraordinary existence with our best efforts of love and wisdom. The wisdom that knows that we're none of it and the love that sees that we're all of it. May all beings be happy.